John's Gospel, chapter 18. We'll read verse 39 and verse 40. Pontius Pilate is speaking. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence in this house all day today. Thank you, Lord, for the sense of your spirit moving among us and within us, causing us to praise and to worship and to give thanks unto thee. And Father, now we ask you again, anoint your word. And Lord, you said your word would not return unto you void, but that it would accomplish to that thing wherever you have sent it. Father, we ask you now to settle us in this house and in your presence. And Lord, make your word come alive to every heart, that your word would be living, that your word would be something that would give us direction, that your word would even speak to our very natures and our very souls. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. And Lord Jesus, you are exalted in this house, in this place, and among this people. Glorify yourself, we pray. For Jesus' name's sake, we ask it. Amen. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, stands before the people of Jerusalem. And it is Passover time. He stands with two prisoners. In John 18 and verse 39, this is what he says, standing as it were between Jesus and Barabbas. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. He says to them, but ye have a custom. It's your custom, he says, that one of the prisoners would be released and the one that would be released is the one whom you would ask for and desire after. Here he says, but ye have a custom. The word custom here is a word synethia and it means to be used to something. It gives the idea of more than that, but a closeness It gives the idea of so close as an intercourse or an intimacy. And it gives the idea of a force of habit with strong feelings. In other words, the people of Jerusalem that day, the Jews who had gathered around the Praetorium Hall and now Gabbatha, the judgment seat of Pilate, he says to them, you're precious about this custom. In other words, you desire it so much, there's no moving you. He says, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. 
Pilate is saying to them, you're precious over your custom. You're determined about this privilege. You are serious in this season, and you're seasoned with this situation that I'm in. In other words, he knew that they knew that he was bound to save trouble in Jerusalem. He gives the idea, he says, you're intimate with the nature of this thing, and you're married to it in your mind and in your heart, and your motives display it all. That's basically what Pilate is saying to this mob who has gathered around. He says, but ye have a custom. You're precious about it, as we would say today. It's something that you won't move on. And notice what, notice what it says. He says, that ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Notice the feast that we're at here. Notice the time it was. It was the time of the Passover when they remembered that Israel came out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb and sacrifice was to be made. In Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 27, you'll read it between verses 15 and 26, but in verse 15, this is what it says. Now, at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. The word here that the governor was wont, W-O-N-T, in the King James or the Old English language, it's a word, etho, and it simply means again, custom, as one's manner is or as his manner was. In other words, Pilate is saying, that he would uphold the custom that they were married to because of the situation he finds himself in, them being so precious about it. Listen to Mark's account in Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever, notice the term, for this is important, whomsoever they desired. He released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired. The word desired here is the word aiteo. And aiteo means to crave after. I notice it's strong. It's stronger than you and I even take when we're reading it in our English. It means to crave after or even to beg for. It means to require, to ask, to call out again and again for something. Desire, I tell you, it means the attitude of a suppliant. Notice this, it's the attitude of the suppliant, the petition of one who is lesser in position than he to whom the petition is made. So in other words, the very desire that they had was being made to pilot the one who was in a better position to do such things. With his legions of armies around Jerusalem, they had to really desire something in order to really get what they were looking for. Luke's account says in Luke 23 and verse 17, for of necessity, he must release one unto them at the feast. The word necessity looks at, Luke needs a looking at, it's the word anarchy. And it means a necessity imposed upon someone. A necessity imposed 
whether by external circumstance or inward pressure. And here Pilate had both. Here Pilate had both. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. In Mark 15 and verse 8 we're told, And the multitude crying aloud began, here's the word, to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. The crowd began to desire Pilate to do as he had done years past. The word desire again is aiteo. In other words, they started to crave. They started to beg. They started to ask again and again and again. They started to call out for over and over and over again. They required it, and they required it time and time again. Notice the heart of this crowd that's now standing with a bloodied and a beating Christ at some points of it. Three times Pilate brings Jesus before them, and he says, I find no fault in this man. Three times they cried out all the more. Three separate occasions throughout this trial. And notice what it says. It says, the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. See the heart, one heart, a great throng, a multitude crying and pleading and begging, desiring, craving, with a craving like never before, that he would release one. Now herein is their decision. Pilate says, well, I released Christ or Barabbas. I want to look for a moment at this word desire to give you a little bit of a strength on it, to let you see what it really entails before we see the decision. I tell you for desire, Matthew 15 and verse 43. Listen to what it says. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. When Christ died on the cross, they took him down and they led him in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, who was a man of great standing, an honorable counselor, he went into Pilate and he craved the body of Jesus. Notice the difference here in the craving of a man's heart. He craved the body of Jesus. See the word here, he goes into Pilate, says he, and went boldly onto Pilate. The word boldly here is a word, talmeo, and it means he even dared. He even dared. We think boldly as to go in unashamed of face. We think boldly to go in as to go in with great uh, standing and to go in with great courage. And it takes that to stand out and be bold for something. But because of Pilate and because of his reputation and because of whom he was and because of what had happened in Jerusalem and because of the circumstance that he finds himself in with Christ and Barabbas and giving over of Christ and because of the heart of the people that were around him, out of the very people who shouted for the crucifixion of Christ, even right out of them comes one Joseph of Arimathea. And as we're told, he came boldly unto Pilate. It means that Joseph of Arimathea even dared. 
even dared. Can you imagine then when a multitude is standing before Pilate and his centurions and his soldiers are all around him, heavenly armed. Oh, they could kill many and they could take it over. But what the Romans did was they tried to get the people working mercenaries into their army from every nation they conquered. And they tried to keep a, a, a good reputation and they tried to keep a, 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 a good conditions with the people that were in the land because it would have caused uproar and would have seen many Roman soldiers die. Here, Pilate could have quashed the multitude. Of course he could. He could have dispersed the people. Of course he could. But here, Pilate wanted to bow down. And Pilate gave over our Lord. But notice this. The same Pilate, we're told that Joseph of Arimathea went boldly, or in other words, in his boldness, he even dared go before Pilate. In other words, he craved the body of Jesus. His desire for Jesus overruled his dread of Pilate. His petition was more influence in his heart than Pilate's position upon him. His craving for Jesus was greater than the cowering of Pilate before a crowd. Joseph's boldness caused him to beg for the body of Jesus. His boldness empowered him to the heights of humility. You may think I've got that round the wrong way, but I have written that on purpose. His boldness, he even dared step out for Christ. And you know what it did? It empowered him to the heights of humility. It's harder to be humble than it is to be bold. He craved the body of Jesus. Am I talking to someone who just craves more of Jesus? Am I talking to someone in your prayers you're craving for more of Jesus? Am I talking to someone who doesn't crave him at all? Just craves more of him. Here's another one for you. Matthew chapter 20. The mother of James and John, the disciples, were told they come with their mother unto Jesus. And verse 20 says, she comes with her sons, notice, worshiping him, worshiping the Lord Jesus and desiring a certain thing. The word here, worshiping, gives the idea that she comes up, their mother comes up and takes Jesus by the very hand and kisses and kisses the back of his hand. It gives the idea that she comes up and grabs him by the hand and falls even maybe to her knees. This wasn't just a, let's have a little talk, can I ask you something? She fell before him, grabbing his hand and kissing it repeatedly over again. It's the idea of a dog licking the master's hand. Lord, She says that she asks her two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. Verse 22 of Matthew 20 says, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. The word ask here is the same as desiring. She desired a certain thing. She craved. She begged. She asked for over and over again. Lord, 
Will you let my son sit one on the left hand and one on the right? And the Lord says, you don't know what you're asking for. In other words, the Lord is repeatedly saying to her, you don't know what you're asking for. You do not know what you're asking for. You do not know what you're asking for. In other words, brothers and sisters, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Here we're told when you read Matthew's Gospel chapter 20, we're told if you were to read on down that after the Lord says that you know not what you ask, he says, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Oh Lord, we're able, they said, we're able. James finds himself through trial run through with a sword for the cause of Christ. And John finds himself, some say he was boiled in oil and they couldn't kill him because God had a plan for him. But he, John finds himself on a rocky, barren prison island called Patmos. He finds himself under persecution everywhere he goes. His mother says, one would sit on one side and one on the other. You see, brothers and sisters, this walk that we have with Christ, it's not let's just say a prayer and then let's just hope for the best. And it's not just a matter of let's just, well, we're Christians now and we'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll just do our own thing. We'll be here, we'll be there, we'll do this, we'll do that. And, and Christ is nowhere in our thoughts. It's not a hand in the air and it's not a call from an altar. And I've said it again, I'll say it again, I've said it before. I was saved in an altar call, so I'm not saying anything against that. But it's more than that. Brother, sister, I preach it from here many times over and over again. Let me tell you, we preach to the unconverted. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And so be it, and that's true. But brothers and sisters in Christ, listen and listen closely. There is administration in the kingdom of God. There's a better resurrection to be had. And if we're not saved and serving... Then when he comes back and we stand before him, we will give an account of where we have been for him. These two men find themselves, one run through with a sword and one on the Isle of Patmos. They had a baptism, not like Christ. They had a baptism for the name of Christ. Once you start to ask, increase my faith, be prepared. Be prepared to be tried. Once you start asking, Lord, help me to love you more, he'll challenge you in things. Can you be baptized with the same baptism that I'm baptized with? Now here's a challenge to all of our hearts, brothers and sisters. See what we crave. Let's see what we desire. Let's see what we require. Let's see what we'll ask for. Let's see what we'll look after. Let's see the very heart that we have. And herein is the question, brother, sister, answer in your own heart. Are you willing for more of Christ? Are you desiring more of him? Are you looking for more of his spirit? An anointing in your life. What if we tell you then, that's great, and keep seeking. But what if we tell you that the Lord will allow us to go through a time of testing, testing your faith, 
you still want them? It's when our desperation becomes so desperate, we'd even go before a devil like Pontius Pilate. Even there, to walk into a place of the unknown, stepping out for him. Here, we read that this word, ask for, you know not what you're asking after. Here's another one quickly. Acts chapter 13 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul says that speaking of Israel, they desired a kingdom and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, or Sis, as it would say in the New Testament. Israel had a, had a king. It wasn't a monarchy. It wasn't democracy. It was theocracy. God was their king. Yahweh was their king. But Israel wanted to be like the other nations and the other people. Israel wanted a life that, that they could say, well, we have what you have. We are just like you. But the Lord says, but you, my people, are not just like them. And you may see the visible things and you may want them. And you may want a king over your life. He says, but I'm your king. And you have more in me than what the world has. You have more in me, he says this evening to you, than what the world has. When you have Christ, you have it all. They desired, they craved after, they begged for. They asked over and over again for a king and God granted unto them their wish, their desire. And Saul was man's choice till, till the Lord brought along David, his own choice. Here's another one quickly. The Philippian jailer, after he has placed Paul and Silas in jail, and we're told that Paul and Silas start to sing praises unto God at midnight. As a great earthquake comes and shakes the very prison, and the prison's near falling apart, and the doors are opening. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 29. It says of the jailer, it says, Then he, the jailer, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. See the words here, then he called. It's the same word for desired. It's aiteo. In other words, this jailer knew if these two among all prisoners are released, if these two escape, if these two get away, my head's for the chopping block. And the earthquake came and he says, can somebody give me a light? The idea is that from his heart and his fear and his trembling and his panic, over and over and over and over and over again, he's going, get me a light, get me a light. Please, someone, get me a light in the darkness. Can you bring me a light? Someone bring me a light. He gets a light, and that's why Paul says, don't be afraid, we're all here. He was afraid in the darkness. He was afraid of the death that was looming over him, and he couldn't see into it. Get me a light. And he comes shaking like a leaf. And he holds that torch over 
and the flames burning lights up that corner of a prison cell, and there are Paul and Silas. I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. Listen, friend, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, see if you find yourself in a dark place. See if you find yourself that you're tied up with chains and things that have bound you. See if you find that you're found out that you have addictions or something you can't get loose off. See if you find yourself, you're locked away in your own prison cell in your home, your head or your mind. See if you find yourself like that and you're asking and you're desiring after more of Jesus. Let me tell you, if he has to send an earthquake to get you free, he'll do it. Sirs, what must I do to be saved, said the jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Here, he calls for a light. Acts chapter 3, verse 14. Now at Pentecost, 50 days after the feast that Pilate speaks of, where he releases a prisoner 50 days after his Pentecost, Peter preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3 and verse 14. Listen to what he says to them. But ye denied the Holy One. You notice that? That is strong language. That's strong language. Would you deny the Holy One? Would you deny him if he was in front of you? I wouldn't do that. Would you not? No, there's no way I would do that. Would you deny him? If you don't know him and you deny him, if you say, I don't want Christ in my life, then you're denying him right now. But he denied the Holy One and the just, notice, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. In other words, Peter's saying, you desired, you craved after, you shouted with an uproar, you begged, you pleaded, you asked over and over and over and over again, you asked for a murderer. That's what he's saying. You did this. Now, before we make a decision and think carefully, let's think carefully rather, and let's do a character background check on these men. Let's see whom you want released to your children to follow and to yourself and whom you would like to be left with. I have entitled this message, Son of a Father or the Son of the Father. Son of a father or the son of the father. The name Barabbas means son of a father or son of a master, whoever his master would be, but son of a father. Bar means son and Abba or Abbas means father, but it also means the word daddy, where we get our word Daddy, that's the closest word we have for it. Now let's do a background check on Barabbas for a moment. Matthew 27 and verse 16 calls Barabbas a notable prisoner. He is a a notable prisoner, not just any prisoner. He's a notable prisoner. Mark 15 and 7 says of Barabbas, he committed murder 
in the insurrection, marking the words, of course, of Peter in Acts chapter 3, which we have just read. Luke chapter 23 and verse 19 says, For a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder, he was cast into prison. And in John chapter 18 and verse 40, says, Now Barabbas was a robber. Some translation may say Barabbas was a bandit. So now we must ask ourselves, doing a background check, do we want a notable prisoner or the Nazarene prophet? Do we want a murderer or do we want Messiah? Do we want an insurrectionist or do we want Emmanuel, God with us? Do we want a seditioner or do we want a savior? Do we want a robber or do we want a redeemer? Do we want the son of a father or do we want the son of the father? Here he stands with these men, Pontius Pilate, and he says, whom will ye that I release unto you? It's your custom. It's your desire. It's your decision. It's your heart. You are precious with it. In other words, you won't move on it. So who do you want? Matthew 27 and verse 20 says, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Now notice this language. It is so strong. I mean, we read over this and we glance over it, but notice the heart. Notice the language of it. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas or ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Destroy Jesus. Wouldn't you think they're talking about a rabid dog? This is like something that you hear in a dog home where a a vicious rabid dog comes in and they say, the dog was destroyed. The great healer and the preacher stands before them and they say, destroy him. Mark 15 and 11, listen to this. The chief priest moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas unto them. The chief priests are the whisperers through the congregation or through the crowd, the multitude, I should say. Luke chapter 23 and verse 23 says, and they were instant with loud voices. Now, notice the language of this. They were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and and of the chief priests prevailed. Now, let me just look at this. They were instant with loud voices. They were quick to respond automatically. They had their hearts made, decided, and made up. They craved, they begged for, but this is what it means. Right away, they knew their decision. They were instant with loud voices. See the words loud voices here? It's a word, loud is the word magus in our English, or, or in the Greek rather, and it means maga, big, loud. Loud voices was a mega voice. In other words, they all shouted at the top of their lungs, the top of their voice, with one accord. 
Thousands of them in Jerusalem. Thousands of them were shouting at the top of their lungs over and over again. The word loud is magus and the word voices is the word phone. It's where we get our word phone from. And so when you put loud voices, it's magus phone. Megaphone. They came with voices like a megaphone. Crucify him. Crucify him. It's like a megaphone in every heart going off all around Jerusalem. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Not this man. Oh, we have these scenes in Hollywood aged movies where one or two would shout, Let him be crucified. The idea is that the whole crowd had threatened Pilate. We're going into a state of chaos and uproar and violence if you do not crucify him. That's the idea of it. It's like these cities you would see in Egypt or, or maybe Libya when it was going and all the crowds coming into the square and ratting and looting and going mad. He says, if you don't crucify him, we'll wreck this place. kept going on and on and on. And oh, our blessed Lord, a beautiful one standing with this sound beating him up the face. Talk about being unwanted. We're told the voices of them. And of the chief priests prevailed. The loud voices required that he might be crucified. The word required is the same word, I tell for they desired and they craved. Matthew 27 and verse 20 says, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas, destroy Jesus again. It is the word I tell for ask. Keep asking. Keep asking for Jesus. Keep asking. The word destroy is the word apolume or apolume. And it means that he would perish, that he would be lost, that he would be put out of the way entirely, that he would be totally killed. Actually, the word destroy, is, or rather destroy or apolume, is the same word that's used for lost sheep of the house of Israel, put away in punishment. They were completely put out of the land. The Lord had divorced the northern kingdom. It's the exact same word. But it's the same when it's told that Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. And if you're in Christ, brother, and you're in Christ, sister, all the works of the devil are destroyed and broken over your life. Christ has came and set you free. He has taken from as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions from us. Barabbas means son of a father, an earthly father, of course. But by spiritual possession and his profession and by the fruit of his actions, what father is he the son of? Barabbas was a son of Jerusalem, it's believed. In other words, he was born and bred there and he was also a son of Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y, the Jewish religion 
And it's believed that he was an insurrectionist and thought he was doing a good thing. He was trying to push the Romans out of, out of Jerusalem. But nevertheless, he was a robber. He was a thief. He was a bandit. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. And he broken all many commandments that, that the Lord had told them not to break. Now notice this. We're told that in John chapter 8 and verse 44, that Jesus said to the chief priests, they called for Barabbas, you see, because they were linked to him. He was one of theirs. Listen to what Jesus says to these chief priests who called for him. He says, ye are off your father, the devil. Jesus said that. And the loss of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. What do they mean? It means the devil was in Cain, and Cain killed Abel, the godly seed line, the godly line that would come right down. Cain killed Abel. Of course, Seth was born and went through Seth. He says he was a murderer from the beginning, from the creation. This is where murder came from. He says, and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And these whom Jesus says, your father is the devil, were saying, we want him. Barabbas is one of ours. John 10 and 10 says, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Friend, listen to what Martin, Martin Luther says. He says, there is no helping the world, no matter what attitude it, you take. It wants to belong to the devil. And let me say it again. There is no helping the world. No matter what attitude you take, it wants to belong to the devil. If there's a man and a woman and they're told the gospel and they shut the doors that were in your face or they run away from you and they don't want to know, you know why? Because they're choosing the devil. They want to belong to the devil. Listen to Exodus 23 and 2. Listen to what the Lord says. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Don't go the way of everyone else. I'm going to close in two minutes. Stay with me. That is the father of Barabbas. He's a son, a son of a father. Her father, the devil. Now notice what, when we come to the other man, the Lord Jesus, Jesus' name means Jehovah Savior or Jehovah saves. Jehovah is salvation. Jesus was not the son of an earthly father as Barabbas was. Jesus was and is the only begotten son of the father, the heavenly father. Jesus is the son of the living God. Matthew 13 and verse 17 at Jesus' baptism, listen to the words of his father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen again in Matthew 17 and 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration, as it's known, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him, said the Father. Notice again, John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 15 and 23, we're told, he that hateth me, hateth my Father also. The man who hates him, hates the Father. And they were crying with hate and vengeance and envy. Not this man. 
He says, you hate me? Then you're hating the God you say you serve and know. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one mediator, one Savior, one name, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of these are in John's gospel. I'm not mentioning the scriptures for there's so many, but here are some. Jesus says, I and my Father are one. He says, I am in the Father and the Father in me. He says, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He said, God was his Father making himself equal with God. He said, the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things. He said, I live by the Father. He says, the Father that sent me birth witness of me. He says, if God were your Father, you would love me. He says, if you have seen me, ye have seen the Father. He says, I am not alone because the Father is with me. John 17, in his high priestly prayer, as it's known, he starts off by praying, using the word he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son. By verse 5, he moves deeper into prayer, calling, O Father. By verse 11, he's crying, Holy Father. And in verse 25, he cries, O righteous Father, we are in no doubt who the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is. Mark 14 and verse 36. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The Son of the Father. Whom will ye? that I release unto you. Who do you want in your life? You want the devil in your life and the things of the devil? Or do you want the son of the father? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22, the apostle Paul says the Jews require a sign in the Greek seek after wisdom. I believe Paul may be reverting back to the times he's heard of at this trial of Christ for the Jews, not only then, but continuously wanted, but the Jews looked at Barabbas. He's an insurrectionist. He hates the Romans. He's going to fight. He's going to conquer. He's going to do all these things. And it was all by vision. It was all by sight. They required a sign. But this man, Jesus is this man. Where's his army? He talks about love. He talks about grace. He talks about salvation and forgiveness. So they required a sign. Give us Barabbas. A son of a father. The devil. Caught up in Talmudism from Babylon. The very works and arts of the mysteries of Babylon. Friend, who will you have? Not this man. My Barabbas. Sir Robert. 
Who will you have? The choice is left to all of us who do not know him and those of us who do. Then why not serve him? If the Lord be your God, then serve him. God's people can say amen. Amen. The Lord bless you this evening.